The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Shine! 
I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism. I have a baptism to undergo. What constraint I am under until it's completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided. Father against son. Son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way or your adversary may drag you off to the judge. And the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you'll not get out until you've paid the last penny. People were listening to this message from Jesus. Crowds. They weren't sure where he was going with this message. It seemed very clear it was practical, as all of Jesus' messages were. And it was advice. Spiritual advice. Be sure you are interpreting correctly who the Christ is. What I've come for. I'm not a a symbol of peace to be used by some agency or non-NGO. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring war. I came to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, yet a crucifixion to go through. You know, I've been a Christian for many years. And I still am having a difficult time interpreting the age and the signs. I'm still having a difficult time knowing how to deal with what I see, to make sense of what I see. Yes, I've sat in church for many years. But I'm still having a hard time. And Jesus now has some questions being thrown his direction from the crowd. And there were some present. This is Luke, the 13th chapter. There were some present at the time that he... They told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices in an act of vengeance and rage. 
Do you think that these Galileans, Jesus asked, were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. No. They're being executed and their blood mixed with the lamb's blood on the altar did not mean that they were more sinful than every other Galilean. We have to rightly interpret what Jesus is saying. He goes on, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. You get it? These Galileans were just living a normal Galilean life. They were enjoying the fish from the Sea of Galilee. They were enjoying the traditions of the Jewish people. They were going to the synagogue. Maybe even to the synagogue at Magdala. It had a beautiful freshka on the wall. I've seen it. I've been there. The synagogue was located in a a business area, as it is today. The main street, and then little stores off the main street. And then the synagogue with the seat of Moses was not large. The people crowded in, perhaps Mary of Magdala, swished her skirts. But she was not allowed in because she was a sinner. Just regular Galileans living a regular life, processing the fish to be shipped to Rome. That Peter and James and John and other fishermen would bring to them after each night's fishing. They would be processed and salted down. This was just living the regular life, going about their work, making money, so they could pay for their place of abiding in their house. Peter and his wife owned a house. They made some good money sometimes on the fish. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or these eighteen who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I walk the streets of old Jerusalem. I saw the business, buying and selling. Were they more sinful? Because the tower fell on them? And they died? And Jesus said, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. I've had trouble with this, with this message all of my life. Why? They were getting up in the morning and they were going about their work or going about their worship or going about whatever they were supposed to be doing. 
they had an accident and died. And Jesus is saying, did they die because they were more sinful than everybody else in town? No. In fact, everybody in town is going to perish if they don't repent. In other words, there is a a repentance necessary that most of us have not even begin, begun to contemplate. Because we're busy, too, going about our work. We're busy going about Thursday night prayer meeting, Wednesday night prayer meeting, going to church, living as good a life as as we can possibly live, being filled with love and care and compassion. doing good things for people. But Jesus said, they're going to all perish. They're going to all die. Unless they repent. Well, what are they to repent for? These were not people committing fornication. These were not people who were cheating. These were regular religious people who had a a value system they lived by. And Jesus is saying, your value system is not sufficient for you to enter into the kingdom of God. He's saying there must be another another step, a, a much deeper step, where you cross from being a good person on the earth to being a righteous person in God's eyes. There has to be a, a change. That's what repentance is. It's a change. It's going another direction. If you continue going the direction that Peter and James and John were all going, daily going out with their family, their hired men, doing the fishing, joking and laughing with each other, He's saying if you if if that's how you're living, you're gonna to have to repent, or you'll never enter the kingdom of God. I remember I was preaching at an Anglican church. And the back row was filled with middle aged men. And as I began to speak of the wickedness of watching football, they began to poke one another with their elbows and and laugh. Are you kidding me? I'm not giving up football. How How could football possibly be wrong? Oh, so many ways. Ungodly. Pastor. If I give up my football, my professional sports, what am I going to do? I sit down, I'm, I'm tired, I come home, I have a beer, and I sit down and I watch my football game. I ask someone, it's New Year's Day, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to have a beer and I'm going to watch the games. And have to be repentance or they'll miss heaven. This parable, Jesus then 
began to share. A man had a, a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went out to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Cut it down. How long has God been coming? Looking for fruit in your life. Signs of radical change. Signs of intense desire to know Jesus. An intense longing for heaven. A giving of myself and my time and my money for the sake of the gospel. He said, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on the fig tree and haven't found any yet. Cut it down. Well, what's he saying? He's saying cut your life off because you've been proven to be useless. You don't produce anything I want. Well, what does Jesus want from you? Yes, he wants righteousness. Yes, he earnestly desires holiness. Righteousness is simply innocence. Not playing the world's game. Not going with what's normal in the world. But a total change. To be clear, to repent means to totally change the direction I am walking. It does not mean necessarily just some emotional incident in your life. It's as we shared yesterday, Peter going outside and falling to the ground and weeping over denying Jesus. It's still the same. It's falling on our face and weeping over our pride, over our self-sufficiency. over the wickedness of our hearts, over giving in to evil desires, feasting on the world, the flesh, the devil. Sir, the man replied, or the servant replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Jesus is looking for fruit in your life. The fruit of prayer, of supplication, the reading of scripture, meditation. He's waiting for you to turn off your television. He spoke about that quite a while ago, and you have rejected the Holy Spirit as it has spoken to you about activities in your life. And you say, but what's wrong with it? from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. I'm wondering today, 
How long has the Holy Spirit been struggling with you? Over that fornication. Had a man who would send an offering every month and then send a little extra and say, that's for a latte for you. He wanted to come and have, share a meal with us. So we agreed to meet him at a restaurant and we sat together. And in the midst of the meal, he's all Christian. Very affirming of the messages. I said to him, are you married? No. Silence. I said to him, Are you living with someone? Yes. You know that's fornication. Yes. So, how long are you going to continue doing that? He couldn't answer me. He couldn't answer. How many years has the Holy Spirit been coming to you and calling you to repent and get serious with Him and you've been denying Him? How long have you been abusing your wife? How long have you been yelling at her? How long has she been cussing you out? How long is this going to go on? The Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. You know what you need to do, but you've been very, very hard-hearted and stubborn. Has Jesus given you three years? I think the three years are past. Are you ready to have Jesus come and just say, cut that man's life off? Cut that woman's life off? Do you understand that this teaching in Luke 13 is saying to us, those who die are no more wicked than anybody else. They're just normal people. Do you understand? To just be a normal person without an intense desire for Jesus and without an intense desire to be obedient to Jesus, coming to a point of absolute cutting down and cutting off until that happens. You're in grave danger. I have a book, Azuzu Street Series, How Pentecost Came to Los Angeles, by Frank Bartleman. I want to read you a portion of what he wrote. They were having their meetings every night. Um, and all day. And he says, presumptuous men would sometimes come among us, especially preachers, who would try to spread themselves in self-opinionization. In other words, men who wanted to come and, and give their opinion of what was happening at Azuzu Street. That's still happening. People are still trying to give their opinion of what happened at Azuzu Street. And they speak with much self-confidence about what happened there. About the great revival that was really the, the point at which the Lord launched a great Pentecostal revival in America. 
And preachers would come to the meeting hoping that they would have a chance to speak because they had an open forum. The Holy Spirit was in charge. It says their effort was short-lived. Their breath, their breath would be taken from them. Their minds would wander, their, their brains reel. Things would turn black before their eyes. It couldn't go on. I never saw one get by with it in those days. They were up against God. No one cut them off. We simply prayed, and the Holy Spirit did the rest. We wanted the Spirit to control. He wound them up in short order. They were carried out dead, spiritually speaking. They generally bit the dust in humility going through the process that we'd all gone through. In other words, they died out, came to see themselves in all of their weakness. Then in childlike humility and confession, were taken up to God, transformed to the mighty baptism in the Spirit the old man died with all of his pride and arrogance and good works. In my own case, I came to abhor myself. I begged the Lord to drop a curtain so close behind me on my part that it would hit my heels. He told me to forget every good deed as though it had never occurred. As soon as it was accomplished, that is, and go forward again as though I had never accomplished anything for him, lest my good works become a snare to me. Mr. Bottleman knows what I'm talking about today. It's a radical cutting off of my self love. Where we're, where we're struggling today is very simple. Love for self. Pride in our accomplishments. We're somebody. We're not. We're nobody. Self-esteem used to be called pride. Now it's called self-esteem. It's a sin before God. We saw some wonderful things in those days. Even very good men came to abhor themselves in the clear light of God. The preachers died the hardest. They had so much to die to. So much reputation. So many good works. But when God got through with them, they gladly turned a new page and a new chapter. There was one reason they fought so hard. Death is not at all pleasant, and strong men die hard. Strong men die hard. That's what's been hard for me. To be cut down, to have my leg broken, to be told, wait upon the Lord. And in my eagerness, I was not willing to wait. I thought I was, but I wasn't. It's hard to turn your back on yourself. It's hard to turn your back on yourself and be willing to be nobody and let God 
humble your heart. Take you out of circulation so you're you're not somebody. <clears throat> Some men are content to be nobody, and in the nobody, they're proud. So they live a normal life. They watch the television. They look at the internet. They do this and they do that. But oh, what they don't recognize is that they are under God's judgment. They're just normal men, they say. Normal men died. And Jesus said, if you don't change from being just a normal man, if you don't give up your life, you're going to all perish like they did. Does that frighten you? If it doesn't, you're a fool. Because we're talking here about eternity. We're talking here about about Jesus coming. He didn't come to bring peace. This is not a kumbaya religion. This is not a this is not a safe religion. God is not safe. There must be a radical work of repentance done in our hearts where we finally come before God and our pride is cut off. Our flesh is stripped away. You can't just be a normal American man or woman and expect the mercy of God to cover you. We've twisted the theology of the New Testament. We've twisted the words of Jesus to say, Oh, I'm, I'm making progress. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to make it. I'm okay. No, you're not. Any more than these Galileans were all right. Jesus said they're all, you're going to all perish like they did if you don't repent. Part of the reality is going to be that you're going to have to take time and energy and pray and say, Lord, you said I had to repent. I don't know what I have to repent of. What do I do? We don't even know how to pray. We're easygoing. We're casual. We're, we're self-centered. Lord, what do you want from us? How do you want us to walk? What's the path that you want us to walk? Don't make the change too radical, Jesus. No, believe me, it's going to be totally radical. You're going to have to walk a new path. Centered in Jesus. Giving up this world, the flesh, and the devil. Turning aside. Seeking his face. Not playing the religion game of America. Laodicea. If you look carefully at every one of the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, you'll see that they are all told one specific message. This 
is what you must do. You must become an overcomer. What does it mean to overcome? It means to face real stiff difficulty. It means a battle. It means a war. Well, who's the battle with? Your own heart. Your determination that you can do what you'd like to do. You can build your tree of of prosperity. You can build your tree of success. You can build your tree of being wonderful and loving and kind. But before Jesus, it's worthless. Will you recognize that you've had probably more than three years and you've not produced what God asked you to produce? And at some point, Jesus is going to say, okay, cut it down. Cut it down. For it's not a tree that should be taking up the space in my garden. Prayerfully, you have a pastor or you have family or you have someone who will say to Jesus, please don't cut this person down yet. Yes, it's using up the soil. But no, Jesus, let me dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Is that order, has it been given over your life? I think you need to live as though it had been. The Lord said to me, wait upon the Lord. Well, I would rather go out and begin some wonderful ministry. Instead, he said, wait upon the Lord. Wait a minute. If I'm waiting on you, I'm useless, aren't I, Lord? No. Because you're obeying my word to you. He said to me, Whatever's going to happen, Ray, I'm going to make it happen. You mean I can't? No, you can't. Stop trying. Let me do what I want to do in your life. Or I'll have to cut you down. John 15, it talks about the vine and the branches. And Jesus says that his father is the vine dresser. And he prunes the vine. I've been pruned so sharply and so deeply that when you look at my life right now, you just see a knot on top of the of the vine on the the branches are all gone is that all right yes i praise god for it i could be busy about pastoral work No, wait on the Lord. So I'm waiting on the Lord. And believe me, when I broke my leg, for seven months I sat on the couch and could barely move. Now I can walk a little with a walker. I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, what if that's all I get to do for the rest of my life? 
is wait on Jesus. Would that be okay? Yes. Yes. You see, what brings glory to Jesus is not my accomplishment. What brings glory to Jesus is my obedience to him. So if he says, you're on the bench, sit down. And I have to watch the game being played out before me. Listening to great preachers and watching wonderful men of God and women of God as they are used mightily by the Lord. Is it okay if I'm benched? Yes. Yes. I'm willing to be benched. I'm willing to be taken out of the game. I'm willing to be just cut off. And everybody looks, who chooses to, and says, Nothing happening there. Oh, they're right. There's nothing happening there. I pray that one day God, by his grace and his power, will be able to fill me with his presence and use me in some small way. Not so that I can be proud, so that I can be humbled. I know. When I couldn't be used in one way, I tried another. You may be like me, having tried many different ways, and God, each area, cutting you off, isolating you. Is that okay? Yes. I praise and worship the name of Jesus. I don't have any castles to build on this earth. I don't have any goals that I must accomplish on this earth. My only goal is to do what I'm told and wait now on Jesus and trust him. Well, but, Pastor, you're getting older every year. Yes, I am. Well, what if time runs out for you? Then I get to go be with Jesus. What's not to love about that? And to hear from him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You sat on the bench and you waited for me. It's this pride. It's this pride. Five minutes. Bartleman wrote. Even very good men came to abhor themselves in the clear light of God. The preachers died the hardest. They had so much to die to so much reputation and and such good works. But when God got through with them, they gladly turned a new page and a chapter. That was one reason they fought so hard. Death is not at all pleasant. Strong men die hard. I've been a strong man and I've died hard. And I'm waiting for Jesus to say, okay, it's finished. Now, here, go do this. I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, you're listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about what I'm teaching. Is it too hard for you? Do you believe it's real? 
Has he led you in a similar way to lay your life down for him? Are you still struggling to produce that fruit in the garden and you can't do it? You recognize you have a time limit on your life? What are you going to do for Jesus? When all he asks you to do is lay your life down and die out and wait upon him? Some of you are so full of your own plans and your own actions and your own abilities. You don't even hear God speak to you. I know. Well, again, as at a worship service, we have an offertory. We are still a long distance from having the money for radio for this month. We'll wait on God. He'll provide for us. But it's up to you to give as he calls you to. You can give in two ways, either to write directly to me, and the address is National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can come on Sunday and join together with us in our house church Official beginning is at 10, but we like to start praying before that. Our address is Pastor Ray Greenley, 5009, that's 5009, Softwood Lane, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Or you can go online and the top of the page, you'll find Donate. You can give online. I'm eager to hear from you. It's a faith walk. And we're passing the offering plate. God bless you. I'll be back and we'll continue our study in the School of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.